Yeah, I'm ready to come out of chapter 14. Uh, we're in chapter 15, uh, so you can turn there in Mark's gospel. Um, chapter 15 begins with the trial of Jesus, and it's here that we find ourselves, or uh, uh, we really steady ourselves to understand what Jesus went through right uh, before the cross. These are his last moments, right before his hands are pierced with nails and his feet are pierced with nails. These are his last moments before he declares like all of his ministry to be finished. Rough subject today, I know. No way around it. We knew we were coming here, right? We knew we were going to come to this point eventually in the gospel where we got to talk about the hard things. Uh, and I think it's always hard to talk about the brutality that's in, in, uh, placed upon Jesus. Um, so let's begin here and wrap our brains around this entire scene and uh, all those who now find themselves around Jesus here in this moment. So Mark chapter 15, we'll just start at verse 1. I'll read to around maybe a little bit of verse 15 and we'll kind of stop at mid, in the middle of verse 15. Are we there this morning? Say amen. 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 Very early in the morning, the leading priests, the elders, the teachers of religious law, the entire high council met to discuss their next step. They bound Jesus. They led him away and took him to Pilate, the Roman governor. Pilate asked Jesus, are you the king of the Jews? Jesus replied, you have said it. Then the leading priests kept accusing him of many crimes. And Pilate asked him, aren't you going to answer them? What about all these charges they're bringing against you? But Jesus said nothing, much to Pilate's surprise. Now it was the governor's custom each year during the Passover celebration to release one prisoner, anyone the people requested. One of the prisoners at that time was Barabbas, a revolutionary who had committed murder in an uprising. The crowd went to Pilate and asked him to release the prisoner as usual. Would you like me to re release to you this king of the Jews, Pilate asked. For he realized by now that the leading priest had arrested Jesus out of envy. But at this point, the leading priest stirred up the crowd to demand the release of Barabbas instead of Jesus. Pilate asked them, then what should I do with this man you call the king of the Jews? They shouted back, crucify him. Why? Pilate demanded. What crime has he committed? But the mob roared even louder, crucify him. So to pacify the crowd, Pilate released Barabbas to them. And let's just stop right there. Let me, I know I just prayed, but let me pray one more time. Lord, give me the strength to talk about these things, God. Purify our ears, Lord. Hold them steady for the next few moments, God. As we talk about your son, the king of glory. And what he had to go through, God. Tender our hearts this morning, Father, to hear your word and know the truth, God. In Jesus' name, amen. So from the veil of night, they took Jesus by force like a criminal. That's how it all began. And there's this gap between uh, uh, really a gap of thought between chapter 14 and 15. They go from being at the house of a Pharisee uh, to standing before a Roman governor. All right, It's obvious that in the discussions that would lead to this point, what they've decided to do is to manipulate the authority in place to do their dirty work. 
so that they still can maintain a holistic, you know, outward appearance as men of God. I'm going to put a pause right here just for a second, just to make sure you caught that. They are manipulating other people to do things that they know are wrong. I'm going to say that one more time. They are manipulating other people to do things they know are wrong. They are doing it so that they won't be seen doing it. And so that the blood of Jesus won't necessarily be on their hands. Now all of this is done for the sake of an appearance and keeping appearances. I can only imagine what else these men have done in their life in order to maintain the appearance of being godly. They were willing to lie to appear godly. They are willing to manipulate others to appear godly. They are willing to position someone to their death all in the order to keep and maintain a public identity of holiness and godliness. This is dangerous behavior. Listen, Joy and I, we just came back from a pastor's conference this week. It's like our 14th year going. Probably one of the greatest catalysts of our life is this leadership conference. From the very beginning, it's, it's spurred, it has spurred in me and it encouraged me in ways um, that I would never think possible. There are times when I like what I hear and there are times when I don't like what I hear. You go around enough pastors, you're going to have that in your life. Um, but it was a pretty good. It was a pretty good conference. One, probably one of the best ones I think that I've, I've been at. Uh, this conference we go to is specifically de- designed to teach leadership to pastors. And, and one, of the de- one of the defining themes that we just kept hearing over and over this year, um, it, when it comes to pastoring, was a warning. A warning to not love the platform more than people. To not love privileges that the platform may grant you more than people. There was, um, there was great discussion, there was great concern over pastors out there that want to go, and this is the, the term that the young pastor used that was on the stage, to go viral. You know, he said, I'm dating myself. I remember when going viral was a bad thing. You had to stay home from school. You couldn't do those things, right? But he said, today, that's kind of the popular trend is what can we post out there today? What soundbite? People listen to 30-second soundbites now more than anything. When you listen to the news now, you listen to a one- or two-minute little deal, and that's it, right? Everything works in these little soundbites. And so these pastors today are very concerned with going viral. They post videos and other social media stuff out there, and the hopes or the thoughts of it being passed around. And, and the hopes of this is that it will bring more people into their churches through social popularity. Um, though I am sure they would say it was, we're doing this because we believe it's godly. We believe it's going to help, right? I don't, I, I, you know, pastors, uh, however, pastoring and leading is about one thing. And it always comes back to this at every conference that talks about pastor stuff and everything. Pastoring and, and leading always comes back to serving, serving. Pastors that love the spotlight or that love the platform or that have the need to be seen all the time, that want everyone to know what they're doing, if I'm going to be honest, they scare me. They scare me. I tend to stay away from them. Uh, It's not that I think that they're necessarily bad men, though. 
I don't think inherently, like in them, like it necessarily is always this evil person that makes them be this way. I don't. I think they unintentionally think that what they're doing is godly. I think that they, at, in the beginning, that's what they they think they're doing a good thing, right? It's the social part of our culture right now. It's socially acceptable uh, to try to go viral right now. Everybody's doing it. Um, but they're flirting with something very dangerous here. The Pharisees are in the same position here. This is not by happenstance I, I bring this up. This is because the Pharisees are in the same position here because it's about how they appear. They're controlling their circumstances so that they appear one way before everyone else. The human heart is deceitfully wicked, according to the Bible. And I don't think the Pharisees, like many pastors today, they start their walk with God thinking, you know what? As soon as I get on there, man, I'm doing things my way and I'm just going to go this way and I'm just going to take here and grab a little bit. I don't think anybody starts out thinking that it's going to go south on them. Like all the pastors we watch fall like on TV. You think they started out going, one day I'm going to have this giant ministry and when it's, it's at its height, I'm going to have an affair and destroy it. I don't think that's their plan. I don't think they had the plan to have an affair. I think they started out with good intentions. I think good intentions started out, well, we want more people in the, in the lust or the hunger for the platform and growth and all these things, right? Keeping an appearance. I think it gets the best of them. And these are my brothers. These are my sisters. These are not people like I love. These are my people I love. It's hard to love them, but I love them. Somewhere down the road, one compromise led to another. And before they even knew it, their entire heart had changed. And unfortunately for them, they obviously didn't have anyone in their life to correct them or challenge them. That's unfortunate. That was another theme this year, was having someone in your life. Do you have someone in your life that challenges you? Do you have anyone in your life that tells you no? Can I, can I tell you right now, Jared, Mark, and Eric, raise your hands. These are the guys that tell me no. And by the way, they'll nod their head. Have they told me no before? <laughs> yeah. Pastor Jim doesn't get what he wants all the time. And you know what? Praise God. Praise God. I need that in my life. I need somebody in my life that can tell me no. Can I tell you, I went to a pastor's conference about five or six years ago with Pastor Robert. And uh, as I was sitting there, I remember they were talking about all these things that were in uh, uh, that that pastors would want around them. Like, you need a team that's around you. And they were listening, what are the qualities of all these teams? And I said, not one. I said, Robert, I leaned over and I said, you know, not one of them said challenging. They all want loyalty. They all want friendship. They all want uh, 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 trust. They all want integrity, right? But not a single pastor said challenging. And I said, man, that's a scary place to be. If you don't have anyone around you that can tell you, this is how it is. You might not like what I have to say, but you need to hear it. Right? If you don't have that in your life, you ha do not have accountability in your life. And if you're not careful, you'll become one of the Pharisees. One compromise. It started out as a great thing. It started out as I'm going to be a godly man that serves God. I'm going to be a godly man that's going to do things good for God. Right? And then all of a sudden it turns in, man, I don't know that you're godly all that much at all. I think you have the appearance of godliness, but you have the lack thereof in your heart. That's these men right here. That's the men who have carried Jesus, men who have the appearance of godliness, but they are manipulating the situation here. They are lying to make sure they keep their platform. They are manipulating others so that they can keep their power and their platform. 
right? They're going to have this man killed because if they don't, he's going to take their platform. You need someone in your life to tell you no. For the Pharisees, listen, the only person that spoke out against them or challenged them, well, they're going to kill him. The guy who told them no, they're going to kill. Right? By the way, if you're that person who tells no, be prepared. <laughs> That's just how it is, right? How many of you, when you told your kids no, they lashed out back at you? Yeah, be prepared because no sometimes is hard to, to hear. It, might, it can be the right thing, but it doesn't mean it's hard to hear. It's not hard to hear. And sometimes we as human beings, we just don't act the best. We don't respond well when we get told no. By the way, that should show us our wicked heart. Our wicked heart. And before we move on and before we leave the Pharisees to be judged, listen, let's not judge too harshly. How many of you have put on the appearance of godliness before, and yet you know in the recesses of your mind that you're not where you should be? You ever been, listen, I don't think you've been a Christian long enough until you've been a Pharisee, so at some point in your life you've faked it. You know, one of the big common things they say even in leadership, and I hate it. I hate it because I think it, it, just, it just is up against the clash of the gospel. The gospel is that brokenness is beautiful because Jesus can do something in your brokenness, right? But the, the irony of the Pharisee walk is that I'm going to appear as if I'm not broken to show you that, to make it look as if God has already done something. That's messed up. That's messed up. I heard it said this week. And I'll uh, give this one to you. This is not for me. This is from Bishop Dale Bronner, who, who said that, you know what? When it comes to people, people always use people until they're broke. God never uses anyone until after they're broken. Man, isn't that an awesome? What an awesome thing to think about. Unfortunately for us, we have this bad reputation of using people until they're just done. They're so broke, they don't want to do anything. God says, that's the perfect time when I need you. Now you're finally able to be used. That's just a thought. So here they are. They take Jesus to Pilate. And this is kind of an interesting man because he's not a foolish man. And he somewhat sees to the heart of what the Pharisees are doing. He's not fooled by any of this, right? He doesn't just take Jesus and go kill him, right? Actually, it appears... As if he's kind of curious as why they've brought him there in the first place. And so what we get is this nice Q&A kind of between the two. Pilate asks about the charges. Jesus says nothing, right? Can I say I always love this? I always love it when Jesus says nothing. And I realize that a couple of things are happening here. Jesus is headstrong about going to the cross. I mean, he's determined that he's going to go to the cross. Because why? The human race is at stake. Jesus is determined to finish the work and see it through. Here is a guy just looking for a reason to let Jesus go and make a mockery of this whole thing. But Jesus won't say anything. He isn't a criminal, but he isn't going to beg for his life either. I got to say I like that. He is a determined man at this point. Oh, he's been roughed up, but the pain's really only just begun. It, and yet it doesn't matter because he is going to finish this. He is going to see it through. And Pilate is frustrated, but an opportunity arrives, right? For him to clear himself from this whole setup, right? Because he's being set up. 
The custom of that day allowed a man to go free once a year during the Passover celebrations. And listen, the Romans did this just to appease the civility of the Jews. All right, because they don't believe what the Jews believe about Passover. They don't believe that. But if it makes them not want to take back over their oppression, not want to take back over the tyranny of the, 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 what's happening to the Jews, they'll appease them, right? So that they, they, they did this more really just to keep them in line so they won't revolt, not because they care. So Pilate asked him who they want released, but he doesn't really kind of give them a choice at first, right? He says, specifically, you want me to release Jesus? Now, he doesn't actually say Jesus' name. Rather, he refers to him as the king of the Jews. And he's poking at them, right? He's saying it sarcastically because he sees the plot of what the Pharisees are doing. He's smart. He's not an idiot to this whole thing. Can I tell you something? But by the way, the world sees our plots too. When we're trying to hide things, when we're trying to act all holy as if we're doing the right thing, or we're really trying to protect our people or our family and it's not right, they see us when we're trying to manipulate our circumstances to make us look more holy than we really are. They see right through it. How many times have you ever been told that I don't go to church because I've been in the church? I don't go to church because of hypocrites. What are hypocrites? People that say they're one thing but are another. How many times have you heard that? I always, you know, to me, my response is always, where else can they go? Where can fakers go, man? Nobody loves a faker. Have you not seen all the memes that talk about you need to get rid of that backstabbing fake person that's trying to be in your life and they're no good at this and they're no good at that? Where do you think those people got to go? They got to go to church. Where's the only place that loves ornery people? Horrible, ornery people. Jesus, right? Why do you think the worst are in the church? That's where the worst can go to be loved. That's the, that's the irony of the whole thing, by the way. But make no mistake, the world sees through us. They see us when we're not what we say we are. They're not fooled by our false, like, piousness, right? The Romans weren't fooled then. Nobody's fooled now. Do they choose Jesus? Nope. Most of you know they chose a man that's kind of cloaked in mystery to some of us, Barabbas. How many of you remember that old movie about Barabbas, right? It like starts off with this awesome beginning, by the way. I don't know if you've seen it. If you had not seen it, you need to see it. It's pretty neat. You know, they, they, it's the scene starts when they're crying out Barabbas, right? Or Jesus is standing up there. Or no, uh, he's like, well, who, which one is Barabbas? So he brings Barabbas up, right? And when Barabbas is coming up from the prison to be released, right? When he opens the door, the sun is shining so bright he can't see. It kind of blinds him like that, and he's putting his hands over his eyes, right? But when the camera fades back, it wasn't the sun. He's over a covered building. What he saw was Jesus. This is an awesome scene, by the way. Awesome scene. And, and really what you see in the movie is how the gospel is being lived out right in that moment where Jesus is taking the life, right? The death that Barabbas deserves, and he's already taking it right there in that moment. Pretty cool. Now, there's all different kinds of translations that try to describe what Barabbas is. Uh, this one we're using today, the New Living, describes him as a revolutionary. And what they mean to say is that Barabbas was most likely not a fan of Roman oppression. How many is a fan of any kind of oppression, right? I mean, like America, when we weren't fans of oppression, we just took it over, became America. It's what we do. We tend to not like oppression. Where we see oppression, we tend to go. Welcome to all our wars, right? We tend to love freedom, and we will fight for freedom all the time, right? So the idea of revolutionary, 
We understand that. Guess what? One's man revolutionary is another man's terrorist. So to the Romans, this is a terrorist. To the Jew, this is a revolutionary patriot, right? So it's hard to know really how they really felt about this guy because one of the things that we do know is that he did murder somebody. And he, it's possible that he murdered someone really in the form of rebellion against the tyranny of the Roman Empire. I'm, I don't know. All I can know is that he has murdered a man. Nobody is disputing that fact, and he has been in prison for it. No, not even the Jews say he didn't do it, all right? So Jesus or Barabbas, the peaceful man who's been known to heal the blind, the deaf, the lame, or the revolutionary that has murdered people to achieve his goals. The, the crowd chooses Barabbas, right? And Pilate, in his attempt to keep things peaceful, he obliges, right? We know from the other Gospels that he kind of washes his hands from the whole ordeal because he doesn't want anything to do with it. But can I tell you something here? You don't get to wash your hands enough to get all the blood off you for doing something wrong. Only Jesus can wash that away. And I think some of us think like that still. We think that just because we weren't the ones doing something that we weren't involved. Well, I didn't do it. Yeah, but you knew about it. You knew about it. I can't tell you how many times people think just not saying anything is not lying. If you know something and don't say it, it's called lying by omission. There's so many times, and I'm not talking about this one thing, but like there's so many times where we think we're not involved, but we are. But we are. Whether it's just because we didn't say anything and we knew, and we didn't step up and say what was right, whatever that is, we know. I think some of us still think like that. We don't stand up for what is right when we should. We become part of the problem when we don't stand up for what is right. A quote that I've come to love and see such value in is this, and kind of in the same purpose. It's uh, by Reverend Charles Aiken. They've, they've actually thought uh, uh, Edmund Burke said this, but it's actually uh, from a sermon that Edmund Burke had borrowed uh, for this quote. It says, it has been said that for evil men to accomplish their purpose, it is only necessary that good men should do nothing. Silence has probably caused more wars than voices. Pilate did nothing, and on that day, evil was allowed to succeed. Pilate isn't exempt from the story, though. He has his part to play in it, too. How many times have we done nothing and allowed things to succeed that should have, never, that should have been met with godly adversity? Let me give you one more quote that it's really deeply inspired me concerning how I've come to think in situations like these. It comes from a movie or really a book called The Kingdom of God. It's a book about how the crusaders who had once taken Jerusalem and are fighting to keep it from uh, Muslim oppression. In there, there is a scene where this young man is becoming a knight. And this is the words that are spoken over him. And these are the words I love. I keep this quote all the time. Love it. Say it a lot. Uh, but I think it's awesome. He says this, Be without fear in the face of your enemies. Be brave and upright that God may love thee. Tell the truth always, even if it means uh, leads you to your death. Safeguard the helpless and do no wrong. This is your oath. 
I tell you, I would totally do that in here if uh, I felt comfortable with the following thing. The next thing he does is actually slap the guy and said, that's so you'll remember it. So we don't, we don't practice that in here. That's just a movie thing. Uh, but I love that. And I actually like the idea of the slap, too. I was like, I would totally remember it. You hit me in the face, we're going to remember it. I probably could just quote it by heart. if I See, I had to read it off the paper. You slapped me in the face, I would have known it by heart. And some of you need to write that down, right? Some of you need to remember to be without fear. I know it looks horrible this whole week. I know things look bad. Some of you are living right across from it. But be without fear. Be brave. Right? People look to you because you believe in something greater. You're a part of something greater. You have a hope that's greater than this earth. Right? Be brave. Speak the truth. Even if it leads to your death. Listen, even when it means saying no. Saying no. Even when a crowd of people do what's right, even when a crowd of people are shouting at you to do what you know in your heart is wrong. Hello, Pilate. You know it's wrong what you're about to do. But you do it anyway because the whole crowd is shouting at you. You still do what's right. Like I said, there isn't enough water to wipe off the wrong of killing an innocent man. You can keep washing your hands, but there ain't enough. You'll scrub your skin off. And unfortunately for Pilate, he's a Roman. And, and this is real life. And this is not a movie. So his choice is purely political. And so he bows to the crowd, right? Pick it back up there in verse 15. He orders Jesus flogged with a lead-tipped whip. Then turned him over to the Roman soldiers to be crucified. The soldiers took Jesus into the courtyard of the governor's headquarters, called the Praetorium, and called out the entire regiment. They dressed him in a purple robe, and they wove thorn branches into a crown, and they put it on his head. Then they saluted him and taunted, Hail, King of the Jews! And they struck him on the head with a reed stick. They spit on him. They dropped to their knees in mock worship. And when they were finally tired of mocking him, they took off the purple robe, put his own clothes on him again, and they led him away to be crucified. We'll stop right there. So from chapter 14, at the Pharisee's house, under arrest, amongst his own people, he is spit upon. He is blindfolded in chapter 14. He is beaten in chapter 14. They beat him with their fist, it says. They jeered at him and slapped him on his way to Pilate. So by the time he gets there, he already looks one way. Now at Pilate's house, under Roman arrest, he's flogged, it says, with a lead-tipped whip. They make a mockery of him. They make an example of him by dressing him up, uh, his bruised body with royal looking, uh, a royal-looking robe. And they literally take the time to create a crown of thorns to be placed on his head. I don't know about you, but like we don't climb mesquite trees around here. Why? So playing with thorns or trying to create something from thorns, I mean, they went out of their way to torture him and to taunt him. They eventually go on to try to salute him and, and make a mockery of the whole thing, right? They strike him on the head. They spit on him again, and they make an even more spectacle by dropping to their knees and just ridiculing him. And the whole act, really, they're ridiculing the worship of God. They don't do this privately. They do this publicly. They brought the whole garrison in there. You know why they brought the garrison in there? To make sure there was no, 
no threats from the outside. They want everyone to see. They're wanting to make a statement so as to never be in this situation again by the Pharisees. They're hoping if we beat him to so bad, they'll feel so awful, they'll never put me in this situation again. That's what they're hoping. And when they're finally done beating him and ridiculing, they remove the robe and the thorns and place his old clothes back on him. Will you show that picture? Let's get a glimpse. Behold the king of glory. Keep it up there. I'm going to read this to you. Psalm 145. I will exalt you, my God and king, and praise your name forever and ever. I will praise you every day. Yes, I will praise you forever. Great is the Lord. He is most worthy of praise. No one can measure his greatness. Let each generation tell its children of your mighty acts. Let them proclaim your power. I will meditate on your majestic, glorious splendor and your wonderful miracles. Your awe-inspiring deeds will be on every tongue. I will proclaim your greatness. Everyone will share the story of your wonderful goodness. They will sing with joy about your righteousness. The Lord is merciful and compassionate. He's slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love. The Lord is good to everyone. He showers compassion on all his creation. All of your works will thank you, Lord, and your faithful followers will praise you. They will speak of the glory of your kingdom. They will give examples of your power. They will tell about your mighty deeds, about the majesty and glory of your reign for your kingdom is everlasting kingdom you rule throughout all generation the lord keeps his promises he is gracious in all he does the lord keeps and helps the fallen and lifts those bent beneath their loads the eyes of all look to you in hope you give them their food as they need it when you open your hand you satisfy the hunger and thirst of every living thing the lord is righteous in everything he does he is filled with kindness the lord is close to all who call upon him yes to all who call on him in truth he grants the desires of those who fear him he hears the cries for those who call for help and need rescue the lord protects all those who love him but he destroys the wicked i will praise the lord and may everyone on earth bless his holy name forever and forever this is the gospel There's all this wonderful stuff we've read for 14 chapters since last October. Story after story, moment after moment, cherishable time with cherishable time. But we were always leading to this place. Because while it's great to be with Jesus, we don't get to be with Jesus for eternity if this doesn't take place. There's no way to escape the cross. And I'm going to tell you in your own life, there is no way to escape the cross. Jesus said, you cannot be my follower unless you take up your cross and follow me. He calls you to do the same. There is a work that must be finished. And the work is bearing the cross. Jesus shows you how to do it and he asks you to do the same. 
There is a spiritual cross that beckons you pick it up. That beckons you destroy the flesh in you, the selfishness in you, the self, all the self be done with. And that you rise free from those things, free from materialism. Guys, free from comparison. Free of those things. This is why he did it, so that you could be free. And he modeled it. You're going to do it spiritually. He's going through it physically. I told Stephanie today, this morning, this is a great truth to me that I think I've learned in time, and I think you already know. When I say it, the first thing you're going to do is agree. Can I tell you when the blessings in your life come, you know what happens? Time speeds up. Is that truth? Right? Your greatest moments were yesterday because they already happened. Right? You didn't get to stay in them. You wanted to stay in them, but you don't get to, right? They happen so fast, and then they're gone. But your painful moments, now those things take weeks and months. Time slows down. It's funny how that works. In pain, life slows down. Time seems to never keep, it's just like, what happened? Why can't we just move on? Why won't tomorrow show up? But when we're blessed, tomorrow comes instant. When everything is good, tomorrow is here. Tomorrow is here. Pain, everything seems to slow down. Can I tell you, this chapter and the next chapter, as we're feeling it right now, it's quiet. I mean, I could hear a pin drop if I dropped it in here right now. It's so quiet. Why? Because we're looking at a bloody Jesus. We're having to acknowledge our part to play in the cross. We're having to acknowledge our sin because we know it's placed up there with him when he gets his hands nailed and he gets his feet nailed, right? We know that. We feel that. The wickedness in us, right? The guilt that we kind of feel, right? Which, by the way, he decided... That there's no condemnation. He doesn't condemn you for the guilt. Listen, no, no reason to feel guilt anymore. It's paid for. It's paid for. There's no reason for those things anymore. But listen, I know that you feel, listen, because I feel that way. I know. I see Jesus and I'm like, I don't want to talk about that. I don't want to talk about that part. Why? Because it's the part that's the ugly part. That, that we did that to him. That's not like somebody else did that to him. Well, the church didn't do that. Yes, it did. The church is exactly who did that for him because those who receive him are the church. The church is exactly that. This is, this is the gospel. This is what it's all for. And as hard as that is in this moment, this is the part that drives us to go do the rest. Right? Now, I mean, eventually we're going to get to the end here. And when we get to the end, guess what? The Holy Spirit's coming. There's miracles that are still going to take place. There's all kinds of crazy events that are going to take place. You thought Jesus did some crazy stuff. You should see what his disciples did. I mean, his disciples walked around and were so prayed up that their handkerchief just healed people. Their shadows healed people. Some of them, the second generation Christians like Philip, Philip was transported at one point from one place to the next. You thought Star Trek was like brand new with something. Apparently not. Happened years ago. Right? All kinds of bizarre events start to take place with those who just believe in God. Jesus said, greater things will you do than he did. Greater things will you do if I go to the Father. That's the whole road we're taking right now, the road to the Father. The road to the Father. And when he gets to the Father, which by the way he already is, right? We know the story. We can armchair quarterback this from here. We know this is where it leads to your freedom, to the reason why you're here today.
Oh, it's simply said, oh, Jesus died for me. That's why I'm saved. Oh, that's so simple to say, but you know how deep in that is. The atoning sacrifice of him. Everything he's done. We will sing his praises forever and forever. Can we get joy to come back in? I mean, really, what more is needed to be said about that? Well, you know, next week is the cross. Ugh. Can we go any faster? No. No. I'm not going to let us speed up this moment. As bad as I know we probably want to, and it's, it's, it's so much more fun to laugh than it is to listen to the hard stuff. But this then is a hammer to your heart. This is a hammer to his hands and a hammer to his feet. That's as simple as it is. Let's pray, and then by this time, Joy will be up here, and let's worship the Lord. And then we're going to have something here at the altar here, so we're not done. Nobody sneaks out. All right. We're going we're gonna to pray a little bit of worship. And then we've got some things we want to do in-house. Father. Oh, Lord. You are so good, Lord. Lord, you saw it from the cross. You saw what it would be, what it would cost. Lord, you saw, you saw it long before you, you got to the cross, Lord, what it would be. And Father, you still did it. You did it anyway, Lord. Your grace is wonderful. Your grace is beautiful, God. Father, teach us how to rest in it. Teach us how to rest in it, Lord. Teach us how to trust it, Lord, when we tend not to trust anything, God. Lord, teach us how to sit in it from day to day. Teach us to wake up in the morning and enjoy your grace. Lord, to be just happy about the small things, to be able to get up, Lord, and say, thank you, Lord, that I was able to get up this morning. Thank you, Lord, uh, uh, for that I can walk this morning. Thank you, Lord, that I can see. Thank you, Lord, that I can hear for all the things we take for granted, God, that you paid the price for. Lord, you didn't just die on a cross as a prisoner, Lord. You died as the king of glory, and you resurrected as the king of glory. Lord, the psalmist said, we will praise your name forever and forever, God. This morning, Lord, that's what we do. We keep and continue to praise you to give you the glory, to give you the honor, to give you the praise this morning, God. Lord, we give it all to you in Jesus' name.
Father, we push through that. That's where Jesus is. Lord, we allow you the space and the room, Lord. 
You don't need our permission, God. Do with us as you will, Lord. This is all yours, God. We surrender, Lord. We surrender to you. We surrender to you this morning, God. We are yours, Lord. We are yours.
stillness God we know you're there so much distraction that goes on Lord and our eyes get fixed on things that shouldn't be fixed on God Lord we are your children and your heirs God and sometimes we're just not looking at you we look at the destruction we look at the unfortunates of others God but Lord help us when we fail to look at heaven Help us when we fail to look at your kingdom. Help us when we fail to look at your arms wide open. Lord, tender our hearts so that our spirit may be broken for the things that break yours, God. As you said before, come unto me. Lord, that command has never been rescinded. And Lord, allow us to remember this morning to come unto you. Let our eyes see your arms open and ready to receive us and that you love us, God, that you deeply are moved when we are deeply moved, God, that you are our protector, our father, our king, our Lord. Give us eyes that see these things, God. So that when fear and doubt and failure and everything else that comes against us, God, we will prevail. Because our eyes are fixed on you, the bedrock, the cornerstone, that which never moves. Though this earth may spin and though the sky may change and the, <clears throat> the sand and the dirt may shift, God, you remain steady. I am flailed about this earth, but you are never moved. Thank you for being our anchor. The one constant of our life that never changes. You are the same yesterday, today, and forever. Your promises are yes and amen. And we claim those things this morning. We claim those things. We speak healing to those who are sick. We speak help to those who are helpless. We speak hope to those who are hopeless this morning, God. 
We speak to our community and our other communities, God. We pray the Holy Ghost over this place and every place this morning, God. That not just this house, but every house, God. That your kingdom would be on earth as it is in heaven. And you know us by name, God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you this morning, God. Thank you this morning for being here. Blessing us with the gift of your presence this morning. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Amen. Amen. This morning, while we're still in the spirit, Stephanie, I'm going to have you step up here real quick. I want to pray for you. Church, I don't know if you understand their situation. They've, they've been in a rough situation here lately. Uh, Nathan has, her husband has Lyme disease and he is facing a battle and uh, being sick one day and some days he's good and some days not so much and this has kind of come on them and, and uh, uh, with all this rain and with all this weather, uh, uh, Nathan works out, uh, he works for a different company but he works out at the park with me. Well, it's been slow over the last few months. The summer time is usually a slow time for us. This month is usually a busy month for us but the problem has been the rain. When people can't get to the park, they don't come to the park. And uh, it has been slow. And so um, it, has, it has shifted their finances were happening already. And then on top of this, the Lyme disease. And I'm going to tell you, uh, when the devil begins to move, he takes no prisoners. He doesn't care about families. He doesn't care about husbands and wives. He doesn't care about anything. Right? But we are the church. We are the family of God. Called to help the family of God. Amen. Amen? So this morning, what I want us to do above all things this morning is we are going to pray for their family. I, uh, listen, I, guys, I, I, I want you to come up here and help me pray. Ladies, I want you to come up here and help me pray. Matter of fact, the whole church can come help pray. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's, let's, let's do it. Lord, through the power of the anointing right now, where two or more are gathered, God, Lord, you are here now in the midst. Father, through the power of the Holy Spirit now, God, Lord, we speak the Lyme disease gone. Lord, we claim through the scriptures, by your stripes, we are healed. And we declare in Jesus' name for him to be healed and made whole. Lord, we cast away anything that would try to claim any kind of hold upon them whatsoever, God. We speak like the archangel Michael saying, the Lord rebuke thee. In Jesus' name, the Lord rebuke thee. And Father, right now, bring your spirit of protection, the same protection that protected Job against anything else that the devil cried and complained about, God, because whoever is in your hand, what can be done? Let the same frustration be upon our enemy right now, God. For you are in their hand, Lord. Let them see your spirit protect them. Let them see your spirit guide over them. Let them see your spirit provide for them, Lord. So that they can see and testify to all they know, Lord, that you are the king of glory. 
that you have not died in vain, that you were on the cross for their salvation, Lord, for the rest of their life, God. That you have risen so that they may not be oppressed, God, but that they might be free. For who the Son sets free is free indeed. We speak freedom over Nathan. Freedom from all things, God, that would hold any type of hold on him, Lord. We speak freedom over her children, God, that nothing would oppress them either. For the enemy to be frustrated as well, Lord, there. God, we speak protection over their household, Lord. God, and we speak your blessing and your glory over their house, God. Lord, right now we agree as one body, as one body and one mind, God. Like in the spirit of Acts, God, that your Holy Spirit might be poured out upon her right now, that she feel the power of your spirit, God, bubbling up within her, being filled with the Holy Ghost, God. In Jesus' name. Bubbling up, bubbling up. Filled, 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 filled in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. And by faith, we say in the name of Jesus. Amen. 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 Now stay up here with me. Stay up here with me real quick. All right. Now, I come from a long line of Pentecostal people in the last, whatever, almost 20 years of being saved. And uh, like any other thing, like any other thing, you know, from parent uh, to, from child to parent, you know, pastoring is a lot of the same way. One of the things that where I came from, uh, I had a pastor, his name was Lonnie Harris. I saw him this past week. It's always awesome seeing your pastor. Uh, if y'all think that way about me, that's awesome. I know how I think about him. When I think about him, I think about all the things that, that I'm so happy to get to be a part of. One of the things that he used to do that I got to be a part of that I thought was so great is he would bring somebody from our church family up before the congregation. And he would say, just be honest, like this is the thing is this is our family. They have needs. They have financial needs. You know, uh, they have needs in their vehicles have all of a sudden decided, listen, this is a full-on attack from the devil. Their, their, their vehicles have decided to uh, uh, give them a hard time. And I don't mean just like a little bit. I mean like some serious issues going on with their vehicles all, the, all of a sudden, right? It's nothing's by happenstance, guys. It's all has spiritual play, right? They've been plugging in. They've been, they've been getting a hold of Jesus. They've been getting a hold of things. And I don't, you don't, a lot of you don't know her testimony. But Stephanie's come from the outside from us. And Steph, Stephanie, uh, she doesn't have the long history. She's like me. Doesn't have that long history of growing up in the church. Doesn't have that long history of what it's like to be a part of that. You know, this is her being a part of, of something greater and something bigger. This is her experience with the church. And this is our moment to be the church. And one of the things the pastor used to do is, says, listen, I'm going to bring that basket up here. And here's what we're asking. We're asking that you would help uh, uh, anything that's going to be given uh, uh, for, for her today is going to go to help her family out, to help out some of the bills they got. Like I said, it's been slow working, so they hadn't have income. She's going back to work. It's hard to go back to work when your cars don't work. Uh, uh, and so there's some things they need there, and we want to help them in those scenarios. We want to put groceries in their house, and we want to do that thing. And so if you could financially give, or if there's other ways you want to give, you just come talk to me real quick before we get out of here today. And we want to make sure that we bless her. Amen? Amen? Amen. So I'm going to pray. And before we're putting anything up, 
I'm, we're going to pass the basket around. All right? And, and this is an opportunity. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 9 that generosity is a gift too wonderful for words, which means that the filling that you will get, that fulfillment you will get to sow a seed into her family, you cannot replace. The only way you will ever get that feeling is by continuing to sow seeds. God's people are generous people. And by the way, when Paul is talking about all that, he's talking to the wealthiest church saying the wealthiest church who has all the money, they're the ones struggling to give the most. And the, the example he uses is Macedonia. You don't know the letter of that because they're in the letter of that because the church is so small. But that ch church Macedonia that's so small is out giving all the bigger churches. And Paul is using the smallest church to kind of spur on the bigger churches to give. Listen, guys, we are not big, and we might not be mighty in the sake of a building or in the sake of people, but we are mighty in spirit. Amen? God has given to us, and as God has given, He has given for us to give. Amen? We take care of our family. We take care of the kingdom family, all church family, like the lost ones that have yet to become, right? And even the ones inside our home. Amen? Let's pray. Father, right now, I, I, I lay my hands on this basket, God. And Father, Lord, I pray that you would bless her abundantly, Lord, that you would show up and show out for her, God. And Lord, that she would see and know that you hear her cries, God. This week as she was pushed and pressed uh, uh, by our women's fellowship to pray for her husband, it is not coincidence that the devil has sought to attack. Because listen, Lord, help us hear. Help us hear, Lord. Listen to our cry, God. It is not coincidence, Lord. Lord, we need your hand of protection as it was on Job. We need your hand of blessing and favor as it was on all the prophets, God. Lord, Jesus said he promised us a portion in Isaiah. God, Lord, hand us some of that portion today. Lord, we lay this at your feet, God. You are the mighty God. You are the mighty God. We lean to you right now. We lean to you right now. And we give you all the glory for it in Jesus' name. And the whole house says amen, amen, amen. This is going to be passed around. Guys, this Wednesday, this Wednesday, if y'all can, you make sure you give her a hug too before she gets out of here, guys. This Wednesday, we will sit down and we will talk about how we're going to reach our neighborhood this, in, in the coming couple of weeks. And we'll have a, a game plan ready. And if you've got something to bring, bring it. I'm going to tell you right now, probably most of you are 10 times smarter than me. And so you probably got some awesome ideas. And I, I need to hear them because I need people who are smarter than me. All right, uh, um, and, and I, I just want to say, I'm, I'm, as we get ready to move into next year, I'm going to tell you guys, I, I, I can tell you right now that this is really only the beginning, only the beginning of things that we're going to have to spiritually fight for. You think it's coincidence that the women's group is, gets here, is prays for their husband, and all of a sudden things are happening? You think that's coincidence? It's not coincidence. One of the things that I heard this week that I totally agree with, uh, 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 the pastor was saying, you know, he goes, I get tired of hearing people go, man, God's just blessing me. He goes, I know why God's blessing you, because all the demons are at my house, right? <laughs> Can I tell you, when we start to pray, when we start to believe that God's going to do greater things, we started to secure a building. We're starting to move into a more, a more structured environment. And we're not even really sure kind of what that's going to look like as we go forward because we've always tried to keep our, our, our mind and eyes open as to what that might look like. But I can tell you this, that as we grow and as we continue to grow, guys, we're going to fall under attack. And it's going to be up to us to have strong times of prayer, strong times of encouragement, and speaking life into one another. All right? There's enough negative stuff out there. I want to encourage you this week. Turn it off. All right? How about delete Facebook app for just at least the week? All right? 
Delete it for the week. It needs to happen. It needs to happen. Let, let go of the news for a while. Somebody asked me the other day, have you been watching any of the football? No, I don't have TV. I don't have TV. Why? Because I don't want to watch news. I'm tired of hearing about Beto. All right? We need to laugh once in a while, too. We need to laugh once in a while. Don't, don't forget to laugh this week, too. Amen? Amen. Let's pray one last time. Father, we just thank you, Lord, for this day. We thank you for this morning, God. I thank you for what you're doing here, God. I thank you for the men in my life, Lord, that through the word this morning who are able to tell me no. Lord, I thank you for the many of people that you, you have in accountability right now amongst all of us, Lord, that are able to speak to them, Lord. Father, teach us what it is to move away from just the appearance of a thing and actually change our heart, God, so that we match up to what we're desiring to be. And God, give us grace when we fail. Give us grace when we're too arrogant to accept no. Give us grace when we just mess up. And the ability to be humble enough to apologize or to move on. Father, for those that are hurting, show us where we can help. To those who are struggling, show us how we can help them, God. Father, be our eyes and be our ears when we fail. And give us spiritual discernment to know the correct paths we need to choose. God, we give you all the glory for those things, Lord. We give you all the glory. Only you know, God. We, 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 we are humbly before you, God, exalting you for what you do. In Jesus' name. And the whole house says amen. 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 Praise the Lord. You better hug somebody before you get out of here. And... <clears throat>